Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In the beginning, God created. God has been there from the beginning. God was in the beginning with Noah last week when we talked about how the world was washed clean of sin. God was there in the beginning when the languages were confused and the people were scattered throughout the whole world as we talked about this morning. And now, 400 years or so after the flood, 300 years or so after the tower work was stopped, we have a new, a marked beginning that will affect the rest of Scripture as we continue on in this great study of the Old and New Testament. This is the call of of Abram. Abram was the son of, of Terah, one of the three sons of Terah, his brothers being Nahor and Haran. If you look over at Genesis chapter 11, Terah was the son of Nahor, who was the son of Sirug, Sirig was the son of Reu. Reu was the son of Peleg. Peleg was the son of Eber. Eber was the son of Salah. Salah was the son of Arphaxad. Arphaxad was the son of Shem, who's one of the three sons of Noah. Terah had, as I've said, if you can look at your handout that I've given you in the genealogy of Abraham... Terah had, as I've said, Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now, Haran's son, if you look at the genealogy, Haran's son, his name was Lot. His name was Lot, but Haran died before the big move that we're about to talk about. So if you look at chapter 11, verse 31, Terah took Abram, he took his, his grandson Lot, this will be Abram's nephew, Lot, And he took Sarai, this was be Abram's wife, and left Ur of the Chaldees. Now, the story, keep your finger here in Genesis chapter 12, but the story picks up incredibly in Acts chapter 7. Turn over to Acts chapter 7. This is when Stephen is making his defense to those who would ultimately stone him. Stephen gives an off-the-cuff but beautiful history of God's people. And he starts with with Abram. He says in chapter 7, Acts chapter 7 in verse 2, Brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran and said to him, Get out of your country and from your relatives, and come to a land that I will show you. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. 
Now, Ur, as you can see from the map that I've given you, I hope that you can see from that, or on the screen if you don't have one, Ur would have been in what we call Iraq today, not far from where the Tower of Babel would have been, is where, where Abram would have, would have settled there. Uh, Haran, if you can see that, if you can draw the line up to the apex or the, the top of our map right there, Haran would have been in what we call either northern Syria, southern Turkey, around in there. After his father Terah's death at the age of 205, the ripe old age of 205, Abram again receives the call that we've just read in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Now why the family stopped in in Haran, I, I don't know. We're not told that. But in the ancient world, to leave your father's house was to forfeit one's inheritance, was to forfeit one's claims. It was a big deal. It was dangerous to leave and go out on your own. To be asked to surrender your home, to be asked to surrender your family, to be asked to surrender your lands, to be asked to surrender what you've always known, the way you've always worshipped even. Well, that was a tall order for them then, as it would be for those that we know today. All of which, these, these things, family, home, lands, uh, you know, where you came from, these are all fundamental to someone's identity. And it would have been a tall order to, to leave those things. The promises, though, that we see that Abram is given in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Those promises must have outweighed the losses. I mean, if you are going to change jobs or you're going to move to a different place or you're going to go to a different school, what, what are you going to do? You're going to weigh the options, aren't you? You're going to say, well, if, and this is, has this, but this has this, and, but this has this. You know, and, and you kind of weigh those options. So I'm sure after the promises were given... Abraham looked at his options. Chapter 12, verse 1. I want you to see, I want to look at this second call of Abram where God makes some promises. And I want, want, you, to, I want you to see, were these good enough promises for Abraham to leave his, surrender his home, leave his, his family that he'd always known, leave the lands that he had been inherit, that he had inherited? Chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Go, get out to a land that I will show you. This was a, this was a promise of property. Abraham was promised, Abram was promised property. You know, I've lived in 29 different houses in my life. 29 different houses. I've always knew, though, when I left one house, I always knew where I was going to the next house. Can you imagine just... Going out the door out here, get in your vehicle, you're saying, hmm, I choose this way. And just going until the gas ran out. Can you imagine doing something like that? Not knowing where you're going, not knowing what's going on. Are we there yet takes on a totally different meaning when it comes to Abram, doesn't it? Can you imagine Sarah? Didn't have any kids. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Abram was ignorant of where he was going. 
later when Abram gets to Canaan in chapter 12 and verse 10, there's a famine in the land. He's got to go down to Egypt. In chapter 13, he returns, but there's, he returns with Lot and there's not enough room for him and Lot and all their animals. So he's got to make some choices there. In chapter 14, we'll see that, that war is looming in the land. Abram never really owns a foot of ground that he's been promised, except for his gone grave. He owns that. He owns where he's buried later on. But we'll see, and there is no doubt, the promise is fulfilled, that Abram receives the promised property because God says it's Abram's. God says this is yours, and if God says it, it doesn't matter what the courthouse says, does it? Chapter 12, verse 2. I will make of you a great nation. This was a promise of posterity. It was the opposite of what happened to Babel, wasn't it? A great nation was going to be built in God's way, on God's terms, not on man's terms. And at this time, Abram, he had no children. Abram was about 75 years old when he leaves Haran. You know, his daddy, when he had him, when Terah had Abram, Terah was 130. So when, when, when Abraham or Abram is told that he's going to have a son, it's probably not really a stretch of his imagination that at age 75 he could have some children. Not like we would stretch our imaginations today. You know, who's, in, who's 75 in here? Who's 75? Who's close to it? Close. There's a few close to it here. We kind of think, bless your heart, you know, if you had a baby at 75. But in this, in, in this particular instance, we're not thinking that, are we? We're not thinking that, but Abraham certainly, well, Abram wasn't, certainly wasn't thinking that. This promise was made, but this, this promise would be fulfilled nearly 30 years later because it wasn't until Abram, Abraham, his name has changed to Abraham by then, it wasn't until he was 99 that he would have a son. Look at verse 2. I will bless you and I will make your name great. This was a promise of prosperity. And as we looked at and as we look at his life in later lessons and in classes that you'll be taught, young people, Abram was really wealthy for his day. He really was. We'll see him, we'll see him prosper as time goes on. He could, as we'll see in a later date, he could afford a 318-man standing army. He could afford that. Abram was blessed. And we'll see in other sermons how how he was blessed and how he blesses others. You know, look at verse 3. Abram was promised protection. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. There's two words for the, for the word curse here. There's two words for that. We might say today, if someone says something bad about you or even looks at you wrong, that someone will receive God's damnation. That's basically what it's saying. 
If somebody curses you, if they even look at you wrong, they're going to be cursed by God. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 31 says, It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Later in chapter 12, uh, we may get to this next week, we may not. Later in chapter 12, Abram, he tells Sarah, his wife, they're traveling to Egypt. They've already gone through, through the, the, the land of Canaan. There's a famine there. So they have to go to Egypt. And he tells his sister, Sarah, he says, I mean, he tells his wife, Sarah, he, tells, he says, tell them that you're my sister. Tell them that you're my sister because you're pretty. She was in her 60s. She must have had some oil of Olay or something, you know. I don't know. I mean, I know some pretty 60-year-olds, but nothing that the men of Egypt were going to kill him for her. So he said, tell him you're my sister. And, of course, Pharaoh found out about her. He put, him, he put Sarah in his harem. And think about this. He was going to bless those who bless Abram, and he was going to curse those who cursed Abram. And the Pharaoh took Abram's wife, for his own, and he was so persecuted by God for that. He had plagues on him, and then he finally gave, he figured it out, he finally gave Sarah back. He said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why? Well, he was scared. I love, I, I love the way the Bible lets us see, I mean, the, the humanity, the, the, Abram was just like I would be. He was scared. You know, you, you think of Abraham and you put him up on this pedestal and Moses, they were just people like us who did really bad things sometimes, did the wrong, totally wrong thing. And we see that with, with Abram. Uh, the Lord plagued Pharaoh in verse 17. And Abram was chosen, though he was God's chosen man, just like Christians are God's chosen people today. And he protects his chosen. He protects his chosen. There's one more promise in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, given by, by God to Abram. Verse 3, and in you all the families of the world will be blessed. Let's see how. Let's see how. How? How were the family? And he's talking about us today too, okay? All of the families. Not just some of the families. Not just a little portion of the families. Not just the Israelites. But all the families of the world will be blessed. How? How? How does he do that? Well, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14, we like Abram, we've been called. We've been called. We've been called by the gospel, it says there. If you look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, God, from the beginning, chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. From the beginning, God planned for His people a new beginning. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that amazing? How God's, God's plan just, just fits together from the old to the new. And we have promises. If like Abraham, we obey, we'll be blessed. We'll be blessed. Here's how. For the rest of the remainder of the sermon, turn over to Mark chapter 10. 
Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Here's how. If, if we obey like Abraham, we've been given some promises as well. And if we obey like Abraham, we'll be blessed as well. All right? Here's how. Mark chapter 10, verse 17, we have the true account of Jesus counseling the rich, rich young ruler, as, as some call him. Jesus was asked by this man, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus tells him what he needed to do from the Bible. He tells him what he needs to do. And the man says, I've done this since I was a little boy. And then verse 21, and I love this. I love the way the New King James Version puts this. Verse 21 of of, of Mark chapter 10. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. He looked at him and he loved him. Not with erotic love, not with, not with family love, not even with friendship love. This is agape love. This is the type of love, uh, the moral love, the type of love to, to love even if the truth hurts. I'm going I'm to tell you what you need to do. I love you so much. I love you so much that I'm going to tell you what you need to do. And if you'll do this, you'll live. He looked in his heart. He could tell him the one thing that he lacked. Sell what you've got. Take up your cross and follow me. But the man could not because he was rich, the Bible says. And Jesus makes the mind-bending statement in verse 25. Mark chapter 10, verse 25. That's the reason I have the needle up here. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Think about how little that tiny that needle is. Who can be saved, they said. Who can be saved then? Verse 27, Jesus told them plainly, With men, it's impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. And then in Peter, he must have been thinking about that sorrowful man who had just left. Okay? He makes the comment, verse 28, See, we've left all and followed you. Now pay very close attention. It's on the screen. and look in your Bible too. Okay? Pay very close attention to what Jesus says here. Verse 29. Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. Verse 30, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Verse 31, but many who are first will be last and the last will be first. As Christians, we too have have promises of property. In this life, in this life, we have promises of property, houses and lands. In Acts chapter 2 verse 44, it says the believers, when they had been baptized, they all came together and they all had things in common. They had all things in common. You know, I've always had the daydream of having a mini farm. I've never had the back for it. I'm more of a, a condo kind of a guy. But I, 
think guys who have these little mini farms around, they're so neat. I think it's just neat to have all that land just kind of four-wheel back there, get muddy and drive back, you know. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot to have one of those little mini farms, one of those farms. It takes a lot of work. I have brothers in this congregation, though, who let me come out there and do anything I want. They've opened their homes. They've opened their land. They've opened their family to me, not just to me, but to all of us. And I have not had to own a thing. I've just had to be their brother. That's all I had to do. Talk about posterity. As Christians, I've got brothers and sisters and, and, and children that I've never met all over the world. All over the world. My heritage is built on the backs of people that I don't even know. My daddy didn't even know them. My granddaddy didn't even know these people. I will always have a family. It's a promise. I'm not trying to embarrass Miss Trammell, but she made a statement the other day that I just loved. Some of you have been cooking for my family. And we got to eat one of Miss Trammell's casseroles the other day. And my kids, we were taken back seven years ago to when I was traveling from Jolton over here. And Miss Trammell said that's when I was her son. And she would fix us one of those casseroles every Sunday. And we couldn't get enough of it. We got to eat one of those last week. It was great. My kids loved it. But that's when I was her son. She's my mama in the faith. I've got mamas and brothers and sisters here that I'll cherish forever. It's a promise. I'm promised prosperity. Not just posterity, but prosperity. Hundredfold now, right now. I'm rich. I'm rich. If I couldn't pay my bills today, you would help me. It's been a while. You know, it's been for a while that we didn't have a vehicle. Many of you let me borrow your vehicle days on end. I didn't have to go buy one. (laughs) I'm rich. Money, homes. There's, I mean, my home burned down tonight. There, I could go stay at, I know I could go stay at any of your homes. There's even some visitors here that never come here, and I bet you they'd let me stay in their homes because they're Christians. I'm rich. I've got it all. I've got all the food I could ever want. Charlie even let me have two pieces of cake downstairs. Here in all 50 states, in all the countries. I've been to Russia, I've been to Guyana, South America, and every one of them would take me in if I needed it. Every one of them would let me have what they had if I needed it. I'm blessed beyond measure because I'm a Christian. 
And I have protection. I have protection in this world. Hey, it's a promise that I'll be persecuted. Can't get past being persecuted. But I have eternal life. I have eternal life. How blessed am I? These are promises now. And I must believe this. I must have faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. Without faith it's impossible for me to please God. And that takes patience. This takes patience on my part. Abram had faith. Have you ever just wanted to take off? Abram was told to. He didn't even know where he was going to go. He didn't know where he was going to end up. And he was told over and over again to go. I'll give you the promises. I I, I promise you, you can count on me, God says. What a great moment of faith. Look at verse 8 of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance and went out not knowing where he was going. He didn't even live in a city. He lived in a tent. Verse 10, for he waited for the city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. Not man, but God. Verse 13, these all died. All, you know, all of them are died. We're going to die. Well, every one of us in this room, we're going to die. How did they die? How did those, those, those fathers and mothers in the past, how did they die? In faith. That's what the Bible says, in faith. They all died in faith. Not having received the promises. They had, didn't even receive them all, but having seen them, were assured of them, and they embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We need to confess the same thing today, church. We are strangers and pilgrims in this land, and we are going to inherit promises that the average Joe doesn't get. Unless he's a Christian. They sought a homeland, but now desire, look at verse 16, but now desire a better, that is, heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. These promises to Abraham and to us are, are, are being fulfilled. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. What do we do? What do we do? We killed the Christ. They've been preached to. They've been told by, by Peter, you killed Jesus Christ. What do we do? Verse 28. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice verse 39. This promise is to you. This is a promise. Galatians 3 Verse 27, for as many of you as were baptized into Jesus Christ have put on Christ. Verse 29, if you are Christ's, notice, then you're Abraham's seed, heirs, according to the promise that all families would be blessed. This is a promise to each and every one of us then and today. 
And this promise has been fulfilled. It's done. That all families will be blessed will continue to be fulfilled if you will obey today. If you will obey today, walk down this aisle and repent and confess Jesus Christ before others, the blessings will continue to roll. We'll be so happy. You'll be a part of our family. We'll be so happy. Come right now as together we stand and sing.